How's it going, everybody? This is Cruz, and I'm happy to be here today with Dad. And we're looking at a piece of scripture it is titled "The Cost of Following Jesus," Luke nine verses fifty-seven through sixty-two. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, "I will follow you wherever you go." And Jesus said to him, "Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." To another he said, "Follow me," but he said, "Lord, let me first go and bury my father." And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those in my home. Jesus said to him, No one puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Dad, what do you think about that? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on to discuss this uh, portion of Scripture. It's a an honor always to handle the Word of God, and it's not one to be taken lightly. And um, I'm pleased that you and I had an opportunity to pray before we jumped on to this passage of Scripture. Uh, you know, what I see here is a picture of people who have heard the gospel. They've, they've heard of Jesus. They've um, perhaps heard Jesus himself, and they've been attracted to him. Uh, he's on his way to Jerusalem, and and he has a crowd about him, and um, some are pledging themselves to him. They're flirting with the idea of discipleship, and we see that today in our church. Uh, I don't mean our specific church, but I mean in Christianity, in Christendom, we see people who are flirting with uh, the idea of following Christ. And we see that uh, the thing that strikes me, maybe as much as anything, Jesus' knack for meeting people where they are spiritually. He looks past the question, it seems like, and looks at the heart. Uh, you know, you take, for instance, the rich young ruler who asked Jesus, what must I do? Uh, and, and Jesus said to him, go and sell all that you own and come and follow me. Well, it's not that Jesus requires everyone to go and sell all of his personal property, all of his assets, all of his real property and, and pick up his... Uh, his life and move to the far reaches of the earth, not necessarily anyway, but he does <clears throat> bid that we should come to him and be prepared to do that. And so when he said what he said to the rich young ruler, go and sell all that you own, he was highlighting for that young man um, the spiritual battle that that particular person had, which was, you know, greed. Um, because when he was faced with that prospect, he turned away and went away sad which would suggest that he, he did not follow Jesus. He did not follow through with the idea of discipleship. And here he's meeting these um, would-be disciples as well, where they are. And um, he's highlighting their spiritual need. I don't think he's um, you know, telling them that you can't, you can't bury your father or, your, or your, you can't say goodbye to your family necessarily, but uh, he is definitely highlighting what issues they might have especially when you consider the time. You know, back in that time, uh, a burial would have taken a long time. And, and this man was obviously, according to what Jesus said to him, not really quite committed to following Christ. You know, um, I'm reminded of Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, I believe it is, 
where Paul is talking about forgetting what lies behind and pressing on for the prize of the upward call. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a natural tendency that we have, even as Christians, to look back on our pre-conversion life and, and regrettably, and, and I'm ashamed to, ashamed to admit this, but you know, sometimes we do that in a way that uh, you know, maybe we're longing for those days and that's that's really I think uh, you know it's an injustice and that's a dishonor to Christ. We shouldn't look back and long for those days in in any regard. We should instead uh, forget what lies behind and press on for the upward call or for the prize of the upward call, and uh, be thankful that God's pulled us out of that darkness. You know, there was a time as Christians we lived according to the flesh. And insofar as we live in the flesh, we're always tempted on this side of glory to live according to the flesh. Um, but we're called to a higher calling. We're, higher, we're called to, to walk according to the Spirit. We're called to um, set our minds on things above. So again, <clears throat> he's not saying uh, to not honor our parents. He's not saying that, uh, that we um, necessarily can't say Farewell to those we might be leaving if he's called us to the mission field in a faraway place, for instance. He's just saying that, I think, if there's a cost, uh, if it costs anything, it costs everything. We, in other words, submit our entire lives to Christ. And we do it immediately. We do it at once. We, we surrender everything because anything less than a full surrender is not really a surrender. We're called to die to ourselves. And, um, you know, that's not something that's natural to us. Uh, we all have a natural tendency, a natural desire to serve ourselves and uh, to claim the throne for ourselves, to be the Lord of our own lives, the captains of our own ships. But uh, the truth is, you know, even as Christ said, he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Uh, you know, we're called to die to ourselves and live for the glory of God. So, you know, there's this idea of free grace and grace is free insofar as we can't earn it. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't uh, deserve it. Um, no amount of good works that we might do would ever earn it. Um, and so it is free in that God graciously gives it. He holds it out. It's available to all who would call upon the name of the Lord. Uh, and yet, again, it does cost us everything if it costs anything. So I think that's what we're seeing here. And even as we do put our hand to the plow, you know, we should not look back. You know, when I was raised on a farm, one of the things that we would do when plowing a row is we would uh, set something at the end of the row to focus on. Because if ever we pulled our eyes from that object, the, the, the object uh, that we we're pursuing, the object uh, that was our goal, if you will, then the road would become crooked immediately. You know, we'd fall away from the track that we're supposed to be on. So we're not to look back as we set our hand to the plow. We're to look forward even to the founder and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, and go forward with Him as our aim. Hmm. I appreciate that. And I think you're spot on. And I think that's a beautiful illustration that you have of, of where you're putting your focus at. You have to fixate on what is to come, the hope through that struggle. And I, I think it's a beautiful illustration that um, verse 62 paints out too is his hand to the plow because the Christian life is work and it is a struggle and there's nothing easy about it. You know, there are going to be calluses 
that form as the the work that you are performing for the Lord. Um, to bounce off of what you have, I have two verses specifically. For one, Galatians two twenty. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we see how we're able to live by faith, and and we see uh, that that is from Christ giving himself for us and loving us. But we also see that we're still living in the flesh while fixated on our faith, and that. Uh, highlights the legitimate um, difficulty there and uh, that brings me into two, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 7 for we walk by faith not by sight so there's this constant excruciating battle of spiritual warfare that's going on between our flesh and our faith and I think it's important that that person that we were and in the flesh tendencies that we have that are dead and, and once they die that, that that means they are no more that means they remain dead uh, not that they're still walking with us or that we give them any chance to come and arise again, but that they stay dead. Uh, the life I now live, I live in the flesh, but living by faith in the Son of God. This being hope, the convictions of things not seen, we fixate on what's the end um, of our work. So I think mm-hmm. that's beautiful. Yeah, we're called to take up our cross daily. So even though, as you well point out, you know, we are to die to ourselves. We're buried with Christ in baptism. Uh, we still live in the flesh and we still have those uh, desires of the flesh. And, and so we are to crucify those even daily. And I love that you pointed out how Paul writes, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. I think therein we see the truth that even as we walk along in our Christian walk, uh, just as Paul had uh, the desire to to do certain things but didn't do them and at the same time didn't he found himself doing things he didn't want to do uh, we too find ourselves uh, too often in that position but that calls us again to repentance and it also calls us again just just to acknowledge Christ and that's part of the task of taking up our cross daily is acknowledging Christ and our dependence upon him you know we're the we're the branches he's the vine we can do nothing apart from him uh, so yeah there is uh, hard work involved and it's not an easy life uh, necessarily you know it's uh, you hear, hear the health wealth and prosperity gospel but in this passage that we've highlighted here in Luke chapter 9 Jesus pointed out hey you know foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head it's not a health wealth and prosperity gospel that Jesus was preaching so you know there are struggles certainly and we see the plow and as you say that signifies the work that's involved in the christian life Uh, but to be clear the work that's involved is not a work or any amount of works that is required to earn salvation Uh, instead we're called to believe you know jesus was asked what what works must we do and jesus said the work of the believer is to believe it's because by that believing, in other words, by that faith that God so graciously gives in His Son, Jesus, because as an aside, it's important to note that the faith that God gives always has as its object Jesus Christ. And by that faith, we are tied to the good work that He did. And the good work that He did was to fulfill the law and the prophets, 
to be perfectly obedient even to the point of death on a cross. And on that cross, as he hung there, he said, uh, it is finished. There's all the work that was required. Um, our work, as it were, is simply to believe. Now, and that's, that's, that's in the formula, if you will, for salvation. Beyond that, yeah, work is involved as we walk through the Christian life, but it's not to earn God's favor. Instead, it's to honor Christ in all things. Mm. And part of that, again, as we find in this particular passage, is to surrender ourselves entirely to Jesus. Well, thank you, Dad. And as we stated, that was Luke nine fifty-seven through 62, the cost of following Jesus. I appreciate you all for listening. And if you have any other questions for us, please email those over at abovethelinecontent at gmail.com. Please follow us on all social medias. Pray for us, and we'll be praying for you. Thank you.